Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary and it's just me doing a solo show this week. We're at episode 187. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Uh, welcome to episode 187. Of all, hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Yes, it's just me this week, my cohort and co host partner in crime, partner in podcasting duties. He's on his travels. He's over in, uh, over in China, I believe, on business slash pleasure. So he won't be back. I'm not sure if he'll be back next week. He might be. He might not be. I'm not sure. Just depends. But yeah, he's over there doing his thing. And uh, so it's just me in the TARDIS. It's very echoey. It's having Adam's uh, Adams moaning and whinging, not echoing around the empty TARDIS walls is, uh, yeah, it's making it seem very quiet. Yes. So I hope you guys have had a good one. Apologies for last week. Last week was one of those real crappy, because Adam was away, because Adam's away for roughly three weeks, starting from last week. But I had a really crappy um work week so as well as running the podcast adam and i have got uh life stuff to do (laughs) and one of those things is working for a living which is uh which sucks in some respects but uh, yeah yeah sometimes that stuff has to be done and uh yeah it just happens to, to coincide with adam being away for that first week and stuff to do with the day job is out of the house for a few days so yeah, no podcast last week. Uh, thank you all to, uh, for those of you that sent in your reviews and stuff for The Mask of Mandragora. That uh, review will still go ahead. I've moved it. So we did have a story in for second week of June, uh, which I can't remember for the life of me what that was, but I've bumped it anyway and I've put The Mask of Mandragora in there. So um, I will keep your reviews and everything for that week and and read them out. I'll still put a, a note out on social if anyone else wants to, to comment nearer the time. But thank you so much for sending those in. Thank you for sending in your Torchwood reviews this week as well. Yoth, day one, moving through series one of Torchwood. That's coming up a bit later. We have got a couple of bits of news and merch to go through, which is kind of cool. Doctor Who's been very quiet of late. Mr. Chibnall's doing a very good job of keeping everything reasonably locked down. There is still, um, still seems to be a band of people who are 
sort of intent on their intentions are to expose as much as possible from filming locations and all that stuff. So uh, we still need to be quite mindful. There's still the uh, the DWSR or whatever it is, hashtag knocking around on Twitter. And there's still a few things there. So if you're not in for the whole spoilers thing, you know, please be mindful of that stuff. We're certainly not into spoilers here. So we won't be we won't be throwing out rumours and nonsense and all that of Yeah, I've got a photograph of of Jodie's left shoe as she came through the doorway yesterday. So that must mean that the Daleks are back and Matt Smith is back for an episode and the TARDIS is yeah, so don't go in for all of that nonsense and rubbish. Just wait until you hear it from from the Beeb, I suppose. But if you are into that stuff, there, I know a couple of our listeners who are sort of ripe and ready for spoilers and want as much as possible. So, but yeah, news has been very quiet. So Chibnall's doing a, a reasonably good job of locking everything down. But we have got a couple of little bits and a couple of bits of merch as well. Waving to new listeners. Anyone that's not jumped on and listened to us before. Normally, there's two of us doing this. Um, myself and my co-host, Adam. It's just me this week. Uh, so we go through, if there's any news, <laughs> we go through news and merch, giving you the latest details of what's happening out in the Hooniverse, as it's known, and any cool bits of merchandise that are coming up that you want to uh, pick up to adorn your shelves and your collection. And then we typically pick an episode from, um, well, at the moment we're doing a sort of revolving uh, review pattern where we've picked up because it's we knew that once we kicked into 2018 up until Jodie graces our screens we knew that it would be very light on everything Doctor Who this year I mean we've had things like you know some books and Titan comics are still doing a thing but generally speaking it'd be very quiet so we decided to pick out some additional stuff from from the world of here and start reviewing that so across each month um, we're picking out um, certain stories from each era and spin-off. So week one, we've been doing a Sarah Jane Adventures review, which is going really well. Uh, week two, we're going to do a classic Doctor Who review. Week three is going to be a Torchwood. So today, or this week is Torchwood, so we're going to be reviewing day one later on. And then week four is going to be a modern Doctor Who story. So that's how it normally goes. I'm not sure what's going to happen once... Series 11 kicks off later on in the year. Um, Because obviously we'll be reviewing that stuff as it comes out each week. Um, Pretty much up to the Christmas special, I would assume. And then after that, for 2019, we're yet to decide whether we're going to default back to our old schedule where it was just alternating weeks. So one week it'd be modern who, then classic, modern, etc., or if we just continue through until Sarah Jane and Torchwood is done and then go back. I'm not sure, but it'd probably be that one. But that's what we do here. So welcome aboard, new listeners. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for the um, the recent reviews on iTunes as well. It really, really helps us so much, those ratings and, and reviews. And uh, we had a few um, reviews come through on Facebook as well. So that's really nice. So thank you so much for all of that support and stuff. It's very, very, very much appreciated. Thank you very much. Uh, what have I been up to? Since, uh, well, two weeks ago, I can safely say not a lot. (laughs) I've done uh, not a lot of Doctor Who, really. There hasn't been many 
I think there was one convention going on. I don't even know if it was a UK one. Um, but I saw some pics of uh, of um, John Barrowman and David Tennant at a convention, which looked quite cool. Um, but I don't think there's been too much going on here in the UK. Um, I've watched a few classics. Haven't watched Spearhead from Space in ages. So I dug the Blu-ray out for that one. I'll tell you what, it looks so good on Blu-ray. Spearhead from Space. If you've not got it on Blu-ray yet, definitely get it. It was one of those sort of rare occurrences when Doctor Who was filmed on decent film stock. And so it's got a, a native resolution that can be scaled nicely to high def. And it looks really nice. Very crisp and clean and overall very good. And it's a it's a reasonably good story as well, Spearhead. I do have to be slightly careful here. I need to see if we've reviewed that yet or not. Spearhead from Space. Oh, we've done it. Oh, wow. Wowzers. So Adam and I, we need to redo that one, really. Because I reviewed it on my own when I very, very first started this podcast. Back in episode two. Wow, that was the second one that I did. Wow. So episode two. <laughs> so yeah, Adam and I need to redo that one. But it's a reasonably good story, Spearhead. Looks very nice on Blu-ray. And Pertwee's on fire as well. Early on in his uh, Doctor's career. Rocking it. Rocking that one already. Uh, also finished up listening to some Torchwood. So I picked up the new Torchwood Believe story from Big Finish. And uh, I tell you what, they they just they nailed that story. If there was ever a story... Because Big Finish have done quite a few Torchwood stories over the years. And in the, certainly in the last year or two, they've really ramped up the number of Torchwood stories. And this is one of those, this is one of those full cast stories where all, all of the cast members are there from, from the TV show. And if there was ever a story where, as you were listening to it, it actually felt like a full-blown TV production in your ears, this is the one. This was a cracking story. And it had all the elements in Torchwood that you would expect to see. So it's got, you know, a little bit of swearing in there. It's got some sort of rude bits, you know, in a couple of places. And so you've got the expected Torchwood, more adult stuff. However, just like the drama and the suspense and the action and stuff. Really, and the performances are great as well. Really, really good. So if you've not picked up Torchwood Believe yet... It's absolutely brilliant. And it's not one of those sort of monthly range or part of a set or anything like that. You don't need to pick up loads of other things to get the story. It's just an isolated sort of one-off story. But yeah, it's fantastic. Really, really good. So I finished listening up to that and not much else, really. I've caught the odd um, episode that's been on TV because the the channel here in the UK, W, that used to be called Watch, um, they're always putting on... Uh, modern Doctor Who story. So I think at the moment they're still going through the Matt Smith era. Yeah, because I caught a couple of Matt Smith episodes. So I caught a couple of those. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to. An update for the uh, podcast itself. Uh, we're on the lookout again for some, for some talented writers who can join our uh, writing and blogging team. So last year we uh, we we opened the doors to the TARDIS and invited um, people to come in and 
submit articles. Uh, basically, what we're looking for is we're looking for people who can submit either and or reviews um, and opinion pieces. So if you're one of these people who have got time to submit an article um, at least once a week, if you've got um, a load of stuff that you feel like you want to contribute and say about Doctor Who, but you don't have your own blog or you don't have you know, a way to do that, then this could be an opportunity for you. Or if you currently write for a blog or a, or a, or a website, it doesn't have to be Doctor Who, if you write for any kind of, if it's a sci-fi blog or a TV and movies or whatever it might be, but you're a Who fan and you know you're Doctor Who, um, then we're after you. So if you go to the go to our website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk forward slash join hyphen the hyphen team. All the details are on there. Um, essentially, we're just looking for you to submit an article, either something that you've wrote specifically for this, or if you've got articles out in the wild already and you want to send us a link to those, we'll take a look. And uh, yeah, we're, we're looking to take on one, possibly two, because we already have a really good writing team. Jordan, Maria and Dan. Uh, so we're looking to add to that. So possibly one or two. So we've had a bunch of um, applications in already. So thank you so much for those. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're probably going to run this until... Let's have a look. Um, so this podcast goes out on Friday the 18th of May. And we're likely to make an announcement uh, next week because it's been running for about a week already. So next week, Friday the 25th, episode 188, we'll tell you guys who the um, who the new member or members are. So in terms of submitting your articles, I would say we'll close that on Tuesday the 22nd. So make sure you get your articles in for that. So just to confirm, we're looking for writers or bloggers who can submit either reviews. So if you're, if you want to submit your own review, it doesn't matter if we've reviewed a story on the podcast already. If you want to review your own, do your own review for a story from any of Doctor Who or any of the spinoffs. Um, ideally we're looking, if, if you're going to be, if you're the sort of person that likes doing reviews, then we'd like to try and do sort of timely up-to-date reviews. Um, so if you're into that thing, we'd like to get reviews for Big Finish and new Doctor Who novels and books that are out there, Titan Comics, that kind of thing, as well as just reviews from general Doctor Who. Uh, so we're looking for that. And also people who just want to write opinion pieces as well. So if you feel like we, one of our writers, Maria, she's really good at writing opinions on anything, really, that she feels like she wants to, to, to voice on. She did a really good piece that went out a couple of days ago on Companions. She's done a she's done a, some really good things. So, if you want to do that kind of thing, that's totally cool. Just send in your articles, and we'll have a look. So, reviews and opinion pieces. We're looking for writers who can commit to once a week putting an article out there. And um, we haven't done it yet, but we'll get we'll get our writing guys on the podcast at some point and say hello to those guys, and we'll do a Q and A or something like that. So there's an update on the uh, on the podcast. So I think I've waffled long enough. Let's land the um, let's land the old Sardis. Do a bit of news. 
first up on the last episode, we spoke to you guys about our US friends getting a cinema outing for Genesis of the Daleks, which is very cool. And now our Canadian friends are also going to be treated to the same thing. So on the 14th of June, uh, the Cineplex cinemas in Canada uh, will open their doors to the director's cut of Genesis of the Daleks, which is very, very cool. And I, I sent a tweet to the, because we have a cinema here in the UK, uh, in, in central London called the BFI. You've probably heard us spoke, speak about this on the podcast previously. And they typically do this kind of thing where they'll, they'll they'll do a showing of sort of classic who if there's an event around it or something like that adam and i have been to a few of those and i tweeted them the other day to say our us friends are getting a cool cinema showing of genesis to coincide with the launch of the blu-ray box set are we going to get the same thing no answer is yet so i've clearly not been out for enough drinks with the people that run these events at the bfi clearly um, so I'm not sure on a UK thing yet, but certainly this is very good news for our Canadian friends. So I'm not sure how many uh, Cineplex cinemas there are throughout Canada. Um, I'm assuming it's a relatively large chain. Um, looking at their website, they seem to have plenty of of locations. I've been to a couple of Cineplex cinemas in Canada. So when I've been in Toronto, me and them, the missus of have been to a, a couple, a couple of different ones in Toronto. And they're very, very cool, actually. It's what you'd expect. It's equivalent to like an Odeon, I suppose, in the UK or a Cineworld or something like that. Uh, but yeah, our Canadian friends, if you're, um, if you're up for seeing the fourth Doctor in, in the cinema for Genesis of the Daleks, then uh, head over to the Cineplex website. I don't think there's a particular um, link or anything. If you just jump onto cineplex.com, um, and just do a search for Doctor Who. You should see it there. Um, or if you want the link, I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, just do a search for Doctor Who or do a search for Genesis of the Daleks and you should find it there. And there's a cool little trailer on their Cineplex website as well. Uh, next up, last bit of news. Um, we spoke a few weeks back about the... Uh, the script, William Hartnell's script for An Unearthly Child that went up for auction. And at the time when we covered it, we said that um, it, they, they expected it to go for somewhere between four and £5,000 or £5,500, something like that. And uh, yeah, so as a very quick update, that script sold for £6,200 which is quite incredible. So they, um, the auctioneer's house, which is um, Aston's, uh, they said that with the fees, I didn't realise that there was quite a lot of fees that get added onto this, but apparently with fees, uh, the total amount that's owing for this, uh, for this item um, is £7,500. Which is quite incredible and not unexpected. Yeah, because remember when Adam and I were talking about this, we did say that this is a real gem. This is like one of those, you know, if you've got, if you had the money, I was going to say if you've got the money, it's gone now, but if you had the money, this is one of those Doctor Who 
gems. Like you, if you had the money, you just could not not bid and try and own this item. And it just it just looked amazing. It was the because sometimes with scripts um, and the Doctor Who Appreciation Society have done this recently as well, where they've they've got sort of additional scripts um, that were used at the time of filming. Um, and they've got actors to sign the front cover and you, you can own that, that script. Um, but they're not always the actual scripts that were used by the actor throughout the filming of that story or series. But with this William Hartnell one, it was the real deal. This was the actual script that was given to, to William Hartnell and, um, it's got all of his original scribbles all over it. And it's, you know, it's a little bit sort of roughed up. Some of the pages have got sort of little tears on them. There's a coffee stain <laughs> on there. There's other stains. and But every page is pretty much littered with all of William Hartnell's annotations and scribbles and notes and everything. So this was the actual thing that he used every day on set while he's learning, you know, the whole thing. So whoever whoever bagged this... This is a real proper Doctor Who gem and a, 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 an amazing collector's piece. So seven and a half grand it went for, which is pretty incredible. And that's going to do for news. Let's get our tin friend in, see what he's got this week. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Merch. Hold on a second. You can, yeah, just get out. Go on. Miserable. I don't know of any week where Dalek Tat has been happy with anything. Even when we had the special weapons Dalek come in from Robert Harrop. Still had a face on him. Even when we're reviewing one of his own, you know, distant cousins. I don't know. One day we might he might crack a smile. I don't know. Yes, we're talking about you. Go on. Anyway, we got a load of reading coming up. If you're into your Doctor Who books and comics, first up, got some new stories coming for Jodie Whittaker's era. So BBC Books, or BBC Children's Books, should I say, run by Penguin, Random House, have picked up a bunch of new stories that are coming from Naomi Alderman later on in the year. So on the 1st of November, there'll be a new book entitled 13 Doctors, 13 Stories. And this will be, um, uh, it will have basically tales of all of the 12 Doctors as they travel through time and space leading up to Jodie's era. So I'm assuming that these 13 stories will run in order from Hartnell through to, to Whittaker. I'm not sure. It looks like it to me. Uh, so that's coming 1st of November. So it's pretty good that the Beeb are already sort of putting the um, the additional stuff to support the new series. They've already done a bunch of this sort of brand um, consistifying. I don't know if that's a word. So everything that's going out with Doctor Who at the moment, 
So these books will have it. I noticed that Big Finish are starting to do it now and, and pretty much everything. You're going to have the new logo. And uh, so by the time that Series 11 reaches us, um, this should slot very nicely into the sort of new branded world of Doctor Who. And these books will follow a similar thing. So 13 Doctors, 13 Stories is out in November. And they're going to um, uh, republish um, a couple of stories that have already been out. So they're going to reissue um, the uh, uh, some stories by Jenny Colgan called The Triple Knife, uh, which is a, another collection of stories. Um, and also um, Borrowed Time, which is also by... Naomi Alderman. So they're going to come out as well. You can get them on paperback and as ebooks. I think they're out in July. Yes, 19th of July uh, to coincide with San Diego Comic Con. So some new books on the way, which is quite cool. And I like the cover for 13 Doctors, 13 Stories. It's got a very retro uh, feel to it. It's, uh, it's an illustration of the TARDIS with 13 Doctors in the white text that you see above the door. And then the number thirteen and stories in the windows, but it just it's got a very old classic feel to it. So that looks really cool. So always good to have um, some additional reading on the on the horizon, which is good. And then secondly, we've got some events happening around the Titan comics. So the seventh Doctor is on his way for his own run of comics. And to celebrate that, there's going to be a signing event at the Forbidden Planet Megastore in London where Andrew Cartmel and Ben Aronovich will be signing the um, the Seventh Doctor number one series from Titan and also Lee Sullivan's there as well. Sorry, yeah, so Ben Aronovich, Andrew Cartmel and Lee Sullivan all there and they're also going to be signing the new Rivers of London uh, storyline waterweed number one as well and that's on wednesday the 20th of june in london six until 7 p.m so a little bit of blurb from fp so the writers of the fan favorite episode remembrance of the daleks cartmel and aronovich uh, doctor who seven doctor number one uh, Doctor Who, Seventh Doctor, number one, yes. Uh, it brings us a brand new comic adventure featuring the Seventh Doctor and Ace. Also includes, also, in, includes, also includes a short backup strip written by Richard Dinnick with art by Jessica Martin. That sounds pretty cool. Now, those of you that have pre-ordered this, like myself, on the Forbidden Planet website, the release date for the... Uh, the number one release of the Seventh Doctor comics is down as the 6th of June. So they will be out before this. So this event is on the 20th of June. However, if you want to order the signed copies, then you can do that on the Forbidden Planet also, but they won't, they won't be out until later on. So the release date for the signed editions of these comics on the Forbidden Planet website is the 26th of June, I think. But if you want to get down there and actually meet them and get it, get them signed while you're there, then uh, then get down to FP on the 20th of June. So that's quite cool. 
And uh, Andrew Cartmel and Ben Aronovich, I can't comment on Lee Sullivan. I've not met him before. But the other two are um, normally, normally good, um, normally good entertainment at these type of things. Uh, a, a good couple of guys. And also they've got the, um, you know, as anybody who's into Classic Who will know that those guys produced, you know, the some of the best, if not the best content for the Seventh Doctor. So these comics should be rather good. So there we go. That's news and merch. Normally I hand over to Adam to this bit to do his witty, funny little intro to our story. But alas, you'll have to put up with me. So this week, it's our review of Torchwood, day one. It's a plane on fire. I've got to go to work. So let's see what we came for. There's an alien on the news. We don't know where it is, why it's here or what it's going to do. The overriding factor for the parasite is to have sex. It's a struggle between where Karis ends and the alien begins. Sorry? Ow! What's this for? Please help me! Ooh. The Torchwood trailers are very action-packed. I know some of the Doctor Who trailers are like that as well, but... Yeah, the Torchwood ones are really, it's like a movie. It's like a Sylvester Stallone movie. It's like The Expendables. Not really. Anyway, Torchwood, day one, was first broadcast back on the 22nd of October 2006. Uh, it's the normal runtime for these early Torchwood, so 50 minutes, just under an hour. It was directed by Brian Kelly. It was written by our now current showrunner, Chris Chibnall, and overseen by Brian Minchin as well as Russell T and Julie Gardner. And Chris Chibnall jumped on as co-producer on this one as well, as well as writing duties. And the plot is thus. Uh, so Torchwood has now been um, established for us as the viewer. So in the last one, um, everything changes. That was about how Gwen Cooper discovered Torchwood and tried to find out what it's all about and and all that jazz and at the end she was invited to join the team which she did and now this one day one is where Gwen Cooper is now officially part of Torchwood it's her first day on the job and a meteorite has hit the earth they go off and investigate and a bit of a blunder sees um, Gwen firing a chisel <laughs> over at um over at Owen who dodges cracks the meteorite open and then this alien gas escapes goes into the center of Cardiff possesses a young girl and then it seems that the in order to um uh sort of maintain itself and gain power it seems this alien gas feeds off orgasmic energy so before I go any further, just want to recap what I said on the review requests that we put out on social media too, that Torchwood is more for the adult viewer, because I know that we do have a fair amount of younger listeners. So obviously we won't be explicit or anything on the podcast, but there are a couple of themes here that are slightly more adult than than Doctor Who and certainly Sarah Jane. So just bear that in mind, please. 
yeah, so it, this alien gas thing feeds off orgasmic energy, so she goes on a bit of a sex rampage. Uh, she gets captured by Torchwood. Um, they try and figure out what's going on. Uh, it's actually Owen that that uh, figures out that the that the the host, in this case, Karis, uh, her body's about to explode as the gas expands her organs and so on. So it's down to Torchwood to try and save her, which they ultimately do. And it's a bit of a the the story is essentially a bit of a a first day on the job. Everybody makes mistakes. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, Gwen Cooper, she makes a bit of a blunder, but Captain Jack, and we, and we also try and find out a bit more about Captain Jack as well. So the team has a nice scene where they're all having a, a Chinese takeout and Captain Jack goes off to do something and they all sort of huddle around and like, what do you know about him? What has he told you? We don't know anything. So we get to find out that Captain Jack has got this veil of secrecy around him. None of them know where he's from, what he's doing, what his motive is. So that's quite interesting as well. So day one. Overall, I thought this was an okay story. I didn't enjoy it as much as Everything Changes, the first one that we did. But I didn't sort of uh, uh, harshly dislike it either. Um, I thought it was a reasonably good watch. Um, some of the acting was questionable from the supporting cast. But overall, it was okay. It was okay. Um, yeah. So for Torchwood, there's there's typically a lot of conversation that happens. If you've ever been in this situation where you, you've been at a convention or a Doctor Who meetup or anything where there's a bunch of Who fans around and a couple of drinks have been consumed and the conversation moves on to Torchwood. One of the things that sort of inevitably comes up is the adult themes that are in, in, in Torchwood. And a lot of opinion is that sometimes Torchwood likes to put stuff in there that's adult just because it can, for the sake of being adult, so to speak. And I think this episode is one of the stories where that's, you could maybe justify that a little bit. So what I mean is, it didn't have to be, you know, uh, somebody g going on, you know, going around having sex. And at the point of, uh, at the point of climax, um, they explode into dust and the host, in this case, Karis, absorbing all of that energy. It didn't have to be that. But there is a feeling that because it's Torchwood and it's aimed at an adult audience that, you know, why not make it about sex? Because there are a couple of things in here that's uh, not really, sort, you know, that explicit, really. I mean, there's a couple of scenes in this episode where I'm not sure that I'd be comfortable with letting my son watch it. My son's a couple of weeks away from being 11. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't let him watch this put it that way. And I know there's been a couple of little bits in Doctor Who, nothing sexual, but you know, there's been like the odd comment, especially around um, River Song, a couple of things that she said to the Doctor that have been very adult, which you can kind of let it slide because it's one of those, it's it's almost like the the same approach that, that, that Pixar take with their films where 
the reason why they're so successful is because yes, they're primarily movies aimed at a younger audience, but there are these little lines, you know, littered throughout, which the parents can pick up on and find funny that would go over the, the children's heads. So Doctor Who has had a couple of those moments, but Torchwood is a bit more in your face. A little bit more in your face. So the first time that we see Karis uh, uh, possessed by the alien gas, she goes into a nightclub, she grabs a random guy, takes him into the toilet, and then they have full-blown uh, how was your father? And then there's a scene later on where uh, Gwen is sort of seduced by Karis. We find out that she's that Karis, as a result of this gas, is sort of given off this natural pheromones, and that sort of turns Gwen a little bit. Yeah, and then they have a very, very, very long, passionate kiss. So there's a couple of scenes in here which are very much in your face, and there's also the, you know, the semi sort of nudity and and other things. So I, I do get the feeling that, you know, they did try and put a few things in here, just because. I mean, I, I'm not sure on Chris Chibnall's motives for this. Whether Russell T Davis said to him, "Look, I want you to write an episode for Torchwood. It's an adult-based show. It's going to be on fairly late at night." So knock yourself out. Don't be constrained by your previous writings for anything. For Doctor Who, you can you can sort of push the boat out a little bit. So I, I get the feeling that when people talk about, like I said, when Who fans are around the table when they're talking about Torchwood, this always comes up. You know, are, are they putting adult material in here for the sake of it? Because they can, because it's Torchwood. And I think this episode does a little bit. It didn't have to be so full on, but then I guess, you know, they're trying to make a statement in this. Oh, well, I imagine when this first launch, when Torchwood first went out, they were trying to make a statement. And it definitely would have got tongues wagging the next day. If you were a big fan, if you were a really big fan of Doctor Who, and then you were looking forward to its new spin-off, Torchwood. And because it did get a, a reasonably good, um, because this went out on BBC Three at the time, um, this would have got, I remember it getting a really high viewership for that channel. So I'd imagine the following day, a lot of people would have been like, did you see Torchwood last night? Oh, it was a little bit, oh, you know. So it definitely would have got tongues wagging. So I'm not sure if that was the point of it. But anyway, so story-wise, it's very, very simplistic. Meteorite lands on Earth, alien escapes, takes over somebody, alien gets captured, person gets saved on to the next episode. So in terms of storylines and stuff, it's not complex at all. It's We haven't got any uh, Stephen Moffat stuff going on here. It doesn't tax your brain at all. So fairly good, well, fairly simple story. In terms of writing, it's, um, I would say it's, it's okay. Not, certainly not Chibnall's finest hour, put it that way. It does have some cool moments in there. It's mainly around you know, like like the first couple of series of Torchwood are, it's mainly around Gwen Cooper and about her journey into Torchwood and, and that stuff, as well as Captain Jack. Because they're still playing the mysterious card at the moment for Captain Jack. So it's mainly around Gwen Cooper. So some nice scenes with her and Captain Jack. There's a couple of cool scenes with the whole team. So Gwen's quite 
sort of in disbelief that none, no one else on the team has got partners or relationships. They're all so wrapped up in the whole tortured work thing that they don't have time to to have families or or partners. And at the end, there's a a nice scene where Gwen Cooper's taking stuff down off the wall. She's still there. Everyone else has gone home, and Captain Jack, you know, is like, you know, please don't stop. Essentially, please don't stop being who you are. You know, don't get, don't let this tortured life consume you. You know, that's one of your qualities, kind of thing. So the story, the underlying story, is is essentially that. You know, Gwen Cooper has come into this as a, you know, as a as a muggle so to speak. So she hasn't been institutionalised by Torchwood as yet. You know, she still wants to maintain a happy home life as well as this stuff. And yeah, and you can see that it's taken its toll on on Tosh and, and Owen and so on. So yeah, and Captain Jack's a whole different kettle of fish. You know, we never see him outside of Torchwood anyway in the Torchwood series. We see him in Doctor Who, but in Torchwood he's always on the job and always working and other than later on, where we find out about his relationship with with Yanto, he's pretty much, you know, all about the work and the job. So writing, it's got, it's got. I would say it's sort of mediocre throughout, and it's got a few nice, well written scenes here and there, mainly with Gwen and Captain Jack and and so on. Um, performances wise, oh, actually, before we get onto that, so direction and and all that kind of stuff. It looks really, really good, just like everything changes. I think when I read up about this, when I watched it yesterday, I believe that a bunch of this stuff was filmed even before the pilot, before everything changes. And it was filmed in the same uh, production block as that, um, in and around Cardiff. So like Adam and I mentioned when we reviewed Everything Changes, Cardiff plays a big part in Torchwood. So in Doctor Who, it's not really about it's not really about the location as such. There are a couple of episodes where, and I think the first one that they really pushed home about Doctor Who being in Cardiff was an episode with Captain Jack. I forget the name. It was all about the rift that's running through Cardiff. Um, but in Doctor Who, even though it's filmed, you know, pretty much ninety percent of it. Well, we'll find out with Series Eleven because I know that they've branched out and they're in Sheffield and some other places but up until now sort of 90% of Doctor Who was all filmed in and around Cardiff but they never made the point to say this is where we are whereas Torchwood Cardiff almost plays a role in the story and they make use of that so just like everything changes and you know most of the other episodes in the first couple of series they have these really lovely sort of aerial panning shots of of Cardiff town centre and down at the bay and so on. So it does play, you know, its its own role, if you like. And it's no exception with this. So direction-wise, it looks really nice. And it does have this... So Torchwood is quite a dark show. But it's also dark sort of visually, as well as either metaphorically or, or whatever. And in order to sort of keep the sort of darkness flowing throughout the series. Most of it happens at night. So in the first episode, everything changes. It wasn't so much about that because that was more around sort of Gwen Cooper 
and her day job as a police officer and all that stuff. But from this episode onwards, the vast majority of episodes do happen at night time, just to keep with that sort of darker theme. And it looks really nice. I mean, I've got this, I've got the Blu-ray box set of Torchwood and it looks really nice. Um, the sound mix is a little off now and then. Um, it seems to be the thing with, I don't know what it is, but with certain TV shows and certain films on Blu-ray, the audio mix, unless you've got like a, cause I, I've got a surround system, but I still find the mix a little bit wonky. So the the music and the action sounds are very very loud but the vocal um track is still relatively quiet so there's a setting that i put on my surround system which i think is like um it's like a mono it sort of reduces everything down to one mono track mixes it down and that seems to even it out a bit so the sound quality is still good um i think even on the dvds it's still very good but uh yeah it does look it does look quite nice and the, the whole sort of dark, moody feel to the show, and it, it looks really nice. And this particular episode was directed fairly well. There was nothing, I would say that there was nothing that jumped out that said, wow, this is like, you know, this is direction at its very best. So I think Brian Kelly did a reasonable job, but there was just, um, yeah, nothing sort of crazy happens. You know, there's, other than the um, the big aerial, nice panning shots of TARDIS, uh, I'll keep saying TARDIS, other than the big, nice, sweeping panning shots of Cardiff, which I think they reuse anyway throughout the series, everything happens fairly statically, I would say. There's no clever camera angles. There's no depth of field and focus tricks going on. It's all fairly standard, but it, it does a reasonable a reasonable job. In terms of performances, the supporting cast, a little bit questionable for me. Uh, so the... The, the bouncers at the nightclub are a little bit, yeah, they're a little bit sort of saying their lines as they're written a little bit to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like they, um, yeah, a little bit wooden. I think that's the best way to describe them, a little bit wooden. And uh, yeah, there's a very, um, yeah, there's a very, yeah, when we spoke about adult themes and so on, there's a film where a film, there's a scene where one of the bouncers is um yeah, having an enjoyable time watching the CCTV footage of of Karis and the random dude in the in the nightclub. <laughs> but even then, you know, he's not really you know, he's not very memorable. I mean, probably in a couple of months' time, if someone says to me, or if someone asks me, you know, what did you what do you think about that that bouncer character in in day one? I'd have to be like mm, bouncer character. Uh, oh yeah, the guy with the bald head. Oh yeah, yeah. So him and Karis's dad, and also even the young chap that she picks up in a nightclub. You know, their acting is you know it's fairly wooden. You know, which is a bit of a shame really because the 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 main cast those guys are all yeah not real no real complaints about those guys really but supporting cast is a bit off point really and Keris herself Sarah Gregory she um 
she's okay. She's not too bad. Um, as the, the possessed Karis by the alien gas. She's okay. She's okay. But again, I, yeah, it's kind of, you know, acting 101 sort of thing. You know, if you're, I would imagine that sort of a hundred people that come out of theatre school or acting school or whatever it is, you know, then they've all been taught a similar way on how to, when you're in pain, you know, you, you do this. And when you're sad, your face does this, you know, and when you're, you know, interested or intrigued and your face turns to this, you know, if it, it felt a little bit sort of painting by numbers for the supporting cast, definitely. I mean, Sarah Gregor, she was okay. She was the best of the supporting cast, really. But the others, yeah. And we had a very, um, very small um, part from Tom Tom Price as Gwen's old PC police officer uh, partner, PC Andy. Um, and he was actually, he's actually a good character. He does pop up throughout Torchwood a bit more regularly. He's, he's pretty good. So I liked his performance. Um, and then sort of main cast, um, the uh, the three people from Torchwood, so Owen, Tosh, and Yanto. Um, even at this early stage in this in the show, because bearing in mind back in two thousand and six, this would have been, you know, episode number two. So we were very fresh at this point in Torchwood. Um, but they they feel like even in the the previous episode that Adam and I looked at, even then they feel like established proper characters. Uh, it's not one of those, even though they progress throughout Torchwood, um, in this early point in the show, they already feel like good sort of grounded, established characters. Um, I know that they do sort of progress personally as Torchwood moves through, but I can't really say that from this point in the show up until when Torchwood finished, that there was a drastic change in those characters. They might have sort of progressed and, you know, and, and developed their own sort of little personal traits and storylines. But uh, largely, um, you know, they feel like they've been doing this for, for years. It feels like this Torchwood team have been running and, and doing Torchwood for years before us as the viewer came along and Gwen came into the team. So, yeah, Tosh, um, Naoko, she's you know, no complaints there. Yanto, he still has a fairly small part at this point. Um, so again, I know that his role sort of grows as Torchwood goes on, but Gareth, David Lloyd, no complaints, quite funny. Um, Bern Gorman as Owen, you know, he's, he's established himself very on, very early on as the lad and the Joker and comic relief. No complaints from him. It's a very funny scene where he, you know, unbeknownst to the team, he goes down to the cell to conduct some tests on Karis. And when the torture guys realise that he's missing, they run down and he's sort of handcuffed up and he's naked. And, um, yeah, it turns out that Karis didn't want him for his body like she does with the other people. She just wanted the key to the cell to get out. So, yeah, so that was quite funny. And he gets himself into some little awkward moments throughout torture but yeah he's uh he's not too bad uh gwen cooper eve miles she's very very cool uh she's still got that 
Yeah, she she does a very good job in this episode of portraying the first day nerves that a lot of us feel when we start either a new job or a new college, or whatever. She does a good job of um, of portraying those those first day nerves, and when she makes the mistake with throwing the chisel at the, the meteorite, she's you know she's pretty cut up about it, and it's Captain Jack that sort of reassures her and says, "Look, we all make mistakes, you know, don't worry about it." And uh, she does feel a little bit guilty because as a result of her mistake, the the gas alien has consumed Karis and ends up kill, killing sort of half a dozen people. So she doesn't feel too great about that. However, I think she's slowly starting to learn because there's another scene in this as well where they need to cover up the the murder and they all sort of fire into action and she's running after Captain Jack and, you know, she's quite disgusted. She's like, you've got sort of dead bodies ready, you know, to be used as, you know, to cover up. So I think she's slightly, you know, perturbed by that, but she's also slowly learning that Torchwood is very much not the police and it's not anything else. They do this for a reason. And as a, as the series goes through, you know, Gwen starts to, you know, take that on board more and more, but you know, Torchwood is there to do this one thing and it's not there to be nice to people. It's not there to be public relations. It's not there for any, anything else. They're there to do their job and that's it. So there's still that um, sort of introductory feel to Gwen going into the team. She still needs to learn the, the ropes and all that sort of thing. And Eve Miles does a really good job of that. She's not overly cocky with anything. She's not, and she's not too apologetic and nervous either she's plays it quite well and then john barrowman as jack captain jack he's um yeah he's just captain jack really i do like that they're playing the 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 mysterious the mysterious card with this one so i think a lot of people before if you rewind back to 2006 early 2006 i think when tortured was announced I'm assuming that a lot of people just assume that Captain Jack running Torchwood, the rest of the team would know who Captain Jack is and, you know, his involvement with the Doctor and his time travel and all that stuff. And they would know the reasoning as to why he's running Torchwood and and all that stuff. So I like that they didn't go down that route. I like that the rest of the team are all guessing about why he's here and who he really is and all that stuff. And John Barrowman plays that extremely well. So he's got this very calm and collected um, attitude about him. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't give anything away. You know, there are times where he does sort of show emotion and he does, he does, uh, he loses that, he's cool a couple of times. Um, there was one scene in this where um, Keris is trying to escape from the hub and she picks up the canister containing the doctor's severed hand and captain jack's really upset about that he's like no 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 no! don't do anything with that you know it's not valuable to anyone other than me so you know and ultimately she ends up smashing it anyway and he's quite upset about that but then later on in the story we see you know he's got another canister so it's all good the doctor's severed hand lives on but there are scenes like that where he does um he does come out of his cool persona 
and does show a bit of emotion and stuff. And he's just great. He's just uh, like the rest of the people in the team. He's just one of those, because I know we've seen him in Who already, but he's just one of those great characters that have already been established, already there. But it's just nice that they've they've thrown in the, you know, who who is he really card. I like that. Um, and then overall, um, yeah, I mean, it moves along fairly. I mean, the thing with Torchwood uh, versus Doctor Who is that Torchwood does move along at a bit of a faster pace. So in terms of editing and putting it all together, I mean, there are plenty of Doctor Who episodes that are like that, but Torchwood is typically more action-packed, a bit more fast-paced. So even though it's 50 minutes long, um, to me it felt like watching a standard 45-minute Doctor Who episode because it does move along fairly quick and you don't have time to sort of sit there and check Instagram or Twitter or whatever. You know, it's moving along fairly quick. So the whole thing kind of works. You know, the story as a whole, it's all sort of comes together quite nicely. Um, it's just, it's kind of lacks something. And if Adam was here, he'd, he'd probably have a similar opinion, I'm guessing. Um, when Adam gets back, we'll um, we'll do a short five-minute thing where he can give us a couple of very quick reviews of these ones that he's not here to review. But um, knowing Adam, I'm assuming he'd say, quite a similar thing where it's an okay watch you know it doesn't disappoint but it kind of lacks that something that makes it a good episode it's an okay episode um, and I can't put my finger on it really I think it's I think it's just down to the I think it's just down to the writing and the story um, it's just a very simple and there's nothing wrong with that you know sometimes or most of the time you know if you watch the majority of the RTD era of Who, you know, a lot of the time, simple is good. You know, simple works. But I think in this instance, it, it just needed something else. I can't put my finger on what that is. I don't know. It just needed something more. Yeah, something more. Because they did try and make you sort of have sort of be sympathetic and have an attachment to the character of Karis because in the scene where Gwen is unhappy with the team, that they're all joking around and Karis is in the cell, obviously in pain, you know, she takes it upon herself to do a proper, she goes back into a police officer's shoes and she does a proper report and she does investigation and she pulls out all of the previous information on Karis and she says to Captain Jack, you know, she... You know, her mum died when she was fairly young and all that stuff. So they do make a little sort of a, an attempt to form sort of, to make the viewer feel sort of, re, you know, make Karis a relatable character and try and have an emotional connection. But it's just, yeah, it doesn't really work too much because even when Gwen's telling Captain Jack this information, he's still not phased by it. You know, he's still doing his normal thing. So they try and make it that, you know, they try and make a connection there, but I don't know. It just felt like it needed something else. You know, it needed another element in there. And I can't, you know, I'm, you know, I don't claim to be a writer of any kind. Certainly I'm not going to go up to Chris Chibnall and say, I think you should have done this with day one. Yeah. I think you should have rewritten it and done this. You know, I'm certainly not about to do that, but it does feel like something else should have been in there anyway. 
Uh, nothing else to report, really, um, before we get on to score. Uh, so, Torchwood Day 1. I'm going to give this a 6. Yes, I wrote down a 6 last night after I watched it, and I'm going to stick with that. Sometimes our opinions do change as we talk through, but yeah, I'm going to stick with a 6, my original score. Am I sticking with a 6? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stick with a six. Uh, I can't quote or can't speak for Adam, but like I said, we'll give, we'll ask him to give a, a quick rundown when he gets back to see what his score was. What did our lovely listeners think? Over on Twitter, we did the usual poll, and 78% of you said likey, and 22% said stinky, which is fairly, fairly decent, really. I was expecting a bit more of an even swing on this one. Yeah, 78%. Thank you very much. Um, we had some mentions on Twitter as well. Uh, Nathan, Silent Nerd C137, says, I enjoy this episode. I think they should have made the alien feed off of human emotions instead of orgasms, similar to the polymorph from Red Dwarf. What a cracking Red Dwarf story that is, polymorph. Very good and very funny. Uh, he says, I enjoy the focus on Gwen as this is her first day being part of Torchwood and I like how she lets the alien out by accident. Seven out of ten. Uh, Austin Falhaber just very simply says, Torchwood is love. Torchwood is life. There we go. Uh, Jamie Aspinall says, this is by far one of the worst Torchwood episodes just because of the sex alien gas thing. Actually, what is it? It's a good question, Jamie. He says, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Uh, that was it for Twitter. Over on Facebook. Sir Jake of the Burt Whistle says, this is a weird one. I don't know what to, I don't know what dark part of Chris Chibnall's mind this came from. As always, everyone is amazing, especially Eve Miles and also the person who played the possessed girl. As always, a great episode. Nine out of ten. Nice one, Sir Jake. Uh, Zach Jenkin. Sex gas. I mean, seriously. This one leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth, especially how uh, good the first episode was. And sadly, the series doesn't get much better after this. Three out of ten. Oh dear, Zach. Miles McKenzie. I just find this very weird. Whilst the writing and acting is good, it just doesn't float my boat. I like strange and random creatures in Doctor Who, and don't get me wrong, but this is just too weird. 5.5. Lewis Palmer. An interesting episode, to say the least. I'd heard a lot of conflicting opinions about this one, so I wasn't sure what to expect. I think it's a pretty good one overall. It definitely rides the line of being completely unsuited to the Doctor Who universe, as it's a very adult story, but one that is very enjoyable. It's a nice story, well-paced, with some good character development. Seven out of ten and a smiley face. Dooley Johnson says, My least favourite episode of Torchwood ever. Gladly, this awful mess of a story is forgotten by the brilliant episode day one of Children of Earth. I thought the villain, quote-unquote, was so hilariously bad that it almost put me off the show entirely on my first watch. The acting from each character is decent and the direction of the episode is alright. But apart from that, I find nothing redeeming from this story. Two out of ten. Luke Allen. Day one is great. 
It's not as good as the other stories and a little too edgy, but a fun story that really shows how fun and campy it is. Many say, and I do kind of agree, that this is a bit of a rip-off of the second episode of Angel. A small inspiration for Torture Being the Adult Show, Angel coming out of the teen family show of Buffy. But an okay episode. Maybe 7 or 8 out of 10, let's call it 7.35. I am intrigued by how your family-friendly-ish podcast can review such an adult episode. I may send this as an audio... Okay. Um, Yeah, so Luke, thank you very much. Um, We can review this as a family-friendly podcast because we don't go into explicit detail. We just talk about the themes of the story. So we don't go into too much detail. Um, But thank you very much for your review. So George Puddy, this episode has some good parts, especially regarding Gwen's character. However, the threat being sex gas was just a statement to say, look over here, we can be adult. But it goes too far and comes off as a very weird episode. Not sure where Chibnall got the idea for this one. Sounds more like a Moffat script. 4.5. And very simply, Jason Thayer says, this just reeks of early instalment weirdness. Two out of ten. A two. And lastly, Sammy Satine says, Gwen's first day as part of Torchwood. And what does Chris Chibnall write for her? A sex alien slash demon slash gas. I feel a bit sorry for Karis. I do like how Gwen printed out photos of her and looked into her life, treating her like a human instead of an alien. I give it six, <laughs> I give it six sex alien gases out of ten. Hmm. Mixed bag there. That's what I thought the Twitter poll was going to be more. That's why I said it. I thought it'd be more evenly 50-50, but yeah. Thank you so much for sending in your thoughts and reviews on Torchwood Day 1. Next week, next week, it's back to modern Doctor Who, and we're going to pick up from where we left off last month. So the last week of April we reviewed A Good Man Goes to War next week we're going to pick up with Let's Kill Hitler so get your DVDs or Blu-rays out for that one I can't say whether Adam will be back in time for that or not so you have to bear with so we will see but next week the 11th Doctor story Let's Kill Hitler and I think we're going to do that for 187 Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with me for episode 187. It was good to have a couple of bits of news and merch to talk through, as it has been very quiet of late in the world of Doctor Who. Thank you very much for your reviews and your thoughts on day one from Torchwood. If you've not seen it yet, then go and pick it up somewhere. Torchwood's a weird one. Torchwood is a weird one because it very rarely goes to any of the box sets on DVD or Blu-ray. Rarely go for a decent price for some reason. I always look out for the box sets dropping in price so I can throw it out on Twitter. I can't even remember where I got my Blu-ray set from. I think HMV were doing a sale or something. I picked it up for 25 quid. 
but it rarely they drop below sort of 35 40 pounds so um yeah if you've not watched it and you've got it you just haven't got around to it yet give it a watch as we'll go through the series in the meantime head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous shows on there plus there are links off to all of our social media accounts where you can stay up to date and have a chat with us during the week as we do chat a lot of who between each episode that goes out on a friday also we're on all of the podcast networks namely itunes there's a big button on the website to take you over to itunes or if you've got the itunes app on anything just do a search for us on there give us a subscribe so you'll never miss a show when it goes out on a friday morning and if you are an itunes listener if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating that would be awesome because that really helps us a lot and in terms of other podcast networks we're on most of those just do a search for us you should be able to find us and drop a subscribe that'd be awesome Uh, head over and check out adam's channel the geeks handbag he's got his own youtube channel where he does a lot of unboxings and reviews and all of that stuff. Uh, just do a search on YouTube for The Geek's Handbag, give him a sub and a like, and he's also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. He's all over the place. So next week, let's kill Hitler. Let's do that. Until then, my name's Gary, and... Uh, love day.